Welcome to the Bioethics Podcast, a project of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. I'm C. Ben Mitchell, Director of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. In this edition of the Bioethics Podcast, we highlight the first of a two-part focus by Callum McKellar, Ph.D., Director of Research for the Scottish Council on Human Bioethics. In this first part, Dr. McKellar addresses the topic of ethics and the genetics of human behavior. First, though, registration for CBHD's 14th Annual Conference on Bioethics, Bioethics Nexus, the Future of Healthcare Science and Humanity, is now available. Speakers this year include Dr. Alvin Plantinga from the University of Notre Dame, Dr. Christina Bieber-Lake from Wheaton College, O. Carter Sneed from the University of Notre Dame Law School, Dr. Brent Waters from Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, Dr. David Prentice from the Family Research Council, and Dr. Christopher Hook from the Mayo Clinic. The conference will take place on the campus of Trinity International University in suburban Chicago, July 12 through 14, 2007. In addition, there are a number of options for earning academic and continuing education credit. Check our website, cbhd.org, for information and online registration, which again is now available. Ethics and the Genetics of Human Behavior, Callum McKellar, Ph.D. A behavior can often be defined as the conduct of a person, the manner and mode of action in which this person treats others, and the way he or she responds to a stimulus. Characterizing the behavior of a person is therefore not a simple affair, with any research in this field becoming a highly complex undertaking, including many variables such as social, but also genetic effects. However, these variables have not always been considered as having comparable weight. For example, many researchers believed in the past that only an environmental and social component influenced the behavior of a person, with any biological theory of behavior being rejected out of hand. This happened, for example, when communists and other international socialist organizations sought to protect their egalitarian politics by repudiating any links between genetics and personal skills. The Russian geneticist Vavilov was even allowed to die in prison in January 1943 because he maintained that every person did not have identical chromosomes, a conclusion based on heredity, which was seen as being in conflict with the ideologies at the time of the USSR. In the same way, others were concerned that new information resulting from behavioral genetics would support a perceived reductionist threat in which all personal characteristics were explained by chemical and physical laws. These concerns resulted in a situation in which any suggestion of a genetic component to behavior was automatically ridiculed, derided, or considered as racist. The Nobel Prize winner Conrad Lawrence was sometimes even vilified at the end of the 20th century because his discoveries in inherited animal behavior had been used by others to support racist ideas. These examples demonstrate that research in the genetics of human behavior can become a very sensitive and complex political issue. It's even been discouraged in the past as being potentially dangerous and disruptive to society. This has especially been the case with research relating to intelligence, aggression, antisocial behavior, anxiety, 
novelty-seeking, alcoholism, addiction, obesity, and homosexuality. However, though research in this field has been often contentious, scientific results in this domain, as in any other scientific discipline, should not be confused with the possible use of these results by individuals or society. As was stated in a recent UK House of Lords report entitled Science and Society, knowledge obtained through scientific investigation does not in itself have a moral dimension, but the ways in which it is pursued and the applications to which it may be put inevitably engage with morality. In other words, even though science in itself can be considered as neutral, the applications of science, on the other hand, should be carefully examined while balancing any advantages with the possible risks involved. One example of the advantages relating to the medicalization of some behavioral characteristics can be demonstrated in some cases of schizophrenia. When these were shown to be related to genetic factors and not just the result of a certain kind of upbringing. Indeed, parents of children with schizophrenia were often noticed to welcome these findings. This means that for some traits in which a certain amount of stigma is attached, the medicalization of the traits could confirm the personal innocence of those in the past considered responsible for the existence of these traits. However, this medicalization of a behavior may also have its disadvantages since some individuals could be led to believe that nothing could be done with a certain trait because of its genetic origin. A kind of hopelessness and fatalism may occur in affected persons as well as in those around them. For example, Mark Rothstein states that if one assumes that there's a genetic component to alcoholism, then, on the one hand, it could be argued that the genetic component vitiates the moral taint from individuals with alcoholism. On the other hand, the genetic heritable nature of the disorder may increase the stigma associated with alcoholism. It may increase the pressure for genetic screening for the mutation. It may contribute to individuals feeling a sense of resignation and a reluctance to enter treatment, and it may lead to disdain for individuals who, despite knowledge that they have the mutation, proceed to drink nonetheless. Another concern relates to the possibility of discrimination, which may arise from studies in behavioral genetics. This could exist as a form of negative discrimination in which a person may be disadvantaged, bullied, or even persecuted because of a genetic behavioral difference over which he or she has no control. Positive discrimination, on the other hand, may take place when persons are selected because of some specific unearned trait. For example, many will and should enjoy the recognition and appreciation given by their peers for such traits as charisma, intelligence, or even eloquence at committee meetings. But these individuals should also remember that no real effort was made on their part to obtain these genetic characteristics. In other words, no additional special respect should theoretically be bestowed on these persons just because of their capacities. Too often in our societies, relationships between individuals are seen as being competitive. This has arisen because many modern biological theories defending the survival of the fittest and the hierarchies of status, wealth, and power in all walks of life have been accepted without critical judgment. But this may not be a true reflection of biology. Indeed, 
Society could also be considered as a system whereby every person exists to complement each other's gifts and capabilities, be they genetic or otherwise. This would then resemble the society of 100 trillion cells which make up a human person, whereby each cell complements the other without competition. In fact, in such a representation, competitive discrimination would only be found in diseased or cancerous cells. Results obtained from research in behavioral genetics should therefore not be shunned by ethical commentators, but considered instead as an opportunity to encourage members of society to become more tolerant and compassionate towards each other in a spirit of solidarity. However, this would only be possible if the scientific results are explained and presented in the appropriate manner and in the right context. If genetic behavioral results are presented in an unbalanced and irresponsible manner and misused as a means to providing arguments for racism, discrimination, and eugenic selection, then serious social problems will become inevitable. That was Ethics and Genetics of Human Behavior by Callum McKellar, Ph.D. Dr. McKellar is founding editor of Human Reproduction and Genetic Ethics, an international journal, and director of research for the Scottish Council on Human Bioethics in Edinburgh, Scotland. The Bioethics Podcast is a project of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. The Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity is a nonprofit 501c3 organization exploring the nexus of biomedicine, biotechnology, and our common humanity. Our website, cbhd.org, has a wealth of materials on a wide range of bioethical issues. For more information about the Center and to support the work of the Center and projects like this podcast, please visit our website, cbhd.org. My name is Ben Mitchell, and I'm director of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, Thank you for listening to the Bioethics Podcast.